The presidential motorcade which just passed through heavy crowds in downtown Dallas and was circling through the fringes of the business district when three shots suddenly rang out. Destroying the media lies and dismantling the narratives. One story at a time. It's the Adrian Slate Show. This week's show is going to be Brett Kavanaugh free. Just kidding. We actually have to spend some time on the aftershocks of this event. We spent the last two weeks talking about it. We know that it was a hack job. So we're not going to give it much lip service as far as the actual incident. But what we are going to talk about are some developments that have come out afterwards. I mean, what's really amazing to me is that the individual who, uh, what's her name, Mitchell, when she uh, covered this entire thing, she said, this allegation is less than weak. So, I mean, you know, the things that they're getting up in arms about, you know, they really got into this whole, well, is he a heavy drinker? Is he somebody that's such a lush that he might beat up people and aggressively hold down women to the point where you might think you'd be killed by him? They're throwing all of that stuff around. And I don't know where the left has suddenly picked up this, hey, we're the new Puritans. We're the new moral majority. Don't drink too much. Never mind the fact in the middle of an active Senate race, there is a Democrat senator going up against one of the Tea Party stalwarts and the, you know, second in the uh, nomination for the presidency, Ted Cruz, Beto O'Rourke, we talked about this, got behind the wheel of a car while he was wasted, jumped three, four lanes, hit a car, almost killed that person, got out and f- tried to flee the scene. We read the uh, arrest report right over the, right over the air, right on the podcast. You can go back and listen to it last week. So never mind the fact that this is the same party that Ted Kennedy drove up off a bridge with, you know, a woman in the car and then swam out and left her to drown. I mean, it didn't even attempt to go get help until much later. So, I mean, this, this is the same party that suddenly now wants to flip the script and act like none of that ever happened. You know, it's the same thing with Bill Clinton. You know, they're all, oh, well, he, they, Kavanaugh perjured himself. He lied under oath. Really? When did that seem to matter to you? When he destroyed Paula Jones' uh, allegations? Because Bill Clinton did. Bill Clinton lied to the American people and lied under oath and had to apologize. Kavanaugh hasn't had to do that yet. (laughs) So we're not going to be talking about the Kavanaugh thing so much as we are going to be talking about the consequences that may be arising from running these stupid scams. Like this that I saw the other day, Feinstein to be investigated. California Democrat Senator Dianne Feinstein has made Feinstein, Feinstein, we're going to say Feinstein, Steenstein, has made a mockery out of the uh, Supreme Court nomination process and has found herself in hot water. According to Senator Tom Cotton, listen to what he said on Face the Nation. Let's understand why we had to have this hearing. Ms. Ford made these allegations in a confidential letter to Dianne Feinstein in July, shortly after Brett Kavanaugh was nominated. The very night he was nominated, Chuck Schumer, the Democratic leader, said that he would do everything in his power to stop the nomination. And that's what happened. For three months, the Democrats have turned the advise and consent process into a search and destroy mission. 
These allegations are completely unsupported by any evidence. What evidence there is to a 36-year-old claim all support Judge Kavanaugh's denial. But the, the Democrats have disgraced this process in the United States Senate in the orchestrated smear campaign of character assassination they've run against Judge Kavanaugh. And he goes on a little bit further to kind of nail down what we were speculating on what he thinks should happen with Feinstein. There is a well-established process of confidentiality on the committee. Diane Feinstein could have showed that letter to Chuck Grassley and the two of them, as the leaders of that committee, could have shared it with the FBI, who could have discreetly conducted this inquiry in July and in August without betraying Ms. Ford's confidences. And they have betrayed her. They pointed her to lawyers who lied to her and did not tell her that the committee staff was willing to go to California to interview her. All that Now, all that's water under the bridge. Those lawyers are going to have to face a D.C. bar investigation and their misconduct. Diane Feinstein and her staff is going to face an investigation for why they leaked that. All this could have been done discreetly. It happens hundreds of, to hundreds of times every year in the Judiciary Committee. It doesn't so that's pretty interesting right there because these things kind of, they have to happen. You know, we need to start holding that other side accountable. The Democrat privilege that they somehow magically wield needs to end. I mean, do you, do you remember anything happening to the people that put Anita Hill up there against Clarence Thomas? No, nothing, nothing happened at all. They went scot-free. Everybody just faded off into the distance and Clarence Thomas now has that hanging over his head. So much so that HBO is trying to legitimize her shaky claims by making miniseries about it. Because, you know, if you can put it in a movie like JFK, like George W. Bush with his W movie, if we can put it into a movie or a miniseries, then it must be true. That's how the left operates. That's why they're reviving Murphy Brown, because they want to relive some alternate reality through her TV show. That's what they did with the West Wing. Do you remember that? When, when George W. Bush was elected, they decided to make this show the West Wing, and then they had you know a female president, and they lived this alternate reality through TV to make, make you go, well, maybe we should go that route. Maybe the same thing will happen in real life. It's ridiculous. So now, these kind of antics might have consequences, and we might see something go down. And I say might because I don't hold my breath for anything anymore. I mean, the Clintons from Rose Law Firm to Travelgate to uh, sex scandals and lying under oath to raising money from the Chinese to run for an election, uh, a re-election for presidency to the Clinton Foundation's shady practices to hanging out on Epstein Island to hiring Fusion GPS uh, to spy on a presidential candidate through the FBI surveillance of a foreign uh, terrorist court. I mean, it's amazing what they have been able to get away with. So I'm not going to sit there and hold my breath and think anybody's going to ever be in a, held accountable in, in D.C. Really? Does that happen? Unless you got an R by your name and then you're just destroyed. But it looks to be that some of the people on the right are kind of fed up with it and they're going to start moving in these directions. I mean, we're not even talking about Keith Ellison manhandling his girlfriend or his ex-girlfriend. You know, the funny thing about that was I think it was the son of the ex-girlfriend saw the video and brought it up and nothing really came about it. But, you know, we're not talking about him. We're not talking about Keith Ellison beating a woman. We're not talking about Cory Booker. Yeah, Cory Booker actually wrote a little article about getting to second base. It's really amazing. Now, he was 15 at the time, but 
It's something he wrote about in 1992. He wrote a column for the Stanford Daily which, uh, as a master's student at Stanford University. And the op-ed was entitled, So Much for Stealing Second. And it shows Booker telling a personal story in the hope that he would uh, make the most powerful way to make a point and to make people think. Booker added, when I hesitated in writing this column, I realized I was basking in hypocrisy, which he always does. So I chose to write and risk, uh, write it at risk. And the column goes on to describe Booker on New Year's Eve in 1984, where he grabbed a friend on a bed without her permission. And Booker was 15 years old at the time and said, I remember debating my next move as if it were a chess game. <laughs> yeah. In fact, he said, as we fumbled upon the bed, I remember debating my next move as if it were a chess game with the Top Gun slogan ringing in my head. I slowly reached for her. Well, you know, I'm not going to go there. But anyways, he said, our groping ended soon. And while no relationship ensued, a friendship did. You see, the next week in school, she told me that she was eh, a bit inebriated that night and she didn't remember what she was doing. So, of course, the leftist mantra rings true. What is horrible and con contemptible for thee doesn't apply to me. That's how the left works. You know, they can do whatever they want to under the protective umbrella cloak of Democrat privilege. And really, this is why these midterm elections are going to be very important, because we can't just let these people continue to go about with no accountability, but to be completely propped up by the media, propped up by culture, whether it's the unfunny SNL who wanted to destroy Kanye West the other day. You know, they don't they as soon as Kanye West starts speaking, they want to cut out his his speeches and his views, things in culture like music and movies Netflix shows, whatever the case may be, they want to dogpile all of the all of the anti-conservative, pro-progressive viewpoints and provide no op opposing viewpoint. And they want to shove that in the culture's face in hopes to indoctrinate people. And indoctrinating is what they're doing down to kindergarten through the academia and we're going to get into some of that. That will blow your mind when you start to find out what's being taught to kids in school and how they're using the school system as an indoctrination platform. It's not even about teaching anymore. It's not reading, writing, and arithmetic anymore, guys. No, this is about re-education of your views. They're not educating the kids to go, well, we're going to make a new world by educating. They don't like the fact that you have closely held views that you want to instill in your kids. And so what are they going to do? They're going to go ahead and teach the exact opposite of what you believe. And then they're going to raise up a generation of godless statist. And it's coming. I mean, there's plenty of evidence. Go to campus reform. I mean, Lawrence Jones and those cats have been doing an amazing job showing the insanity of what happens on campus. I mean, all these crazy courses, toxic masculinity, you know, the patriarchy, whatever the case may be, all being taught and, and shoved down your kids' throats. But there's coming to a place where college is now not really going to be necessary because of the lack of trade. And so there's going to be this intersection to force college to be important or to force new vocations to be important to spur the economy along. But we're going to get into that on some of the other side of the break.
This is Adrian Slade. The Adrian Slade Broadcast. I understand that you said just last night you felt that the weight that the that the witness was in fact credible. On Monday I stood in front of your office with Addy Barkin. I told the story of my sexual assault. I told it because I recognized in Dr. Ford's story that she's telling the truth. What you are doing is allowing someone who actually violated a woman to sit in the Supreme Court. This is not tolerable. You have children in your family. Think about them. I have two children. I cannot imagine that for the next 50 years, they will have to have someone in the Supreme Court who has been accused of violating a young girl. What are you doing, sir? I was sexually assaulted and nobody believed me. I didn't tell anyone, and you're telling all women that they don't matter, that they should just stay quiet because if they tell you what happened to them, you're going to ignore them. That's what happened to me, and that's what you're telling all women in America, that they don't matter. They should just keep it to themselves because if they have told the truth, you're just going to help that man to power anyway. That's what you're telling all of these women. That's what you're telling me right now. Look at me when I'm talking to you. You're telling me that my assault doesn't matter. That what happened to me doesn't matter. And that you're going to let people who do these things into power. That's what you're telling me when you vote. That's Jeff Flake. Jeff Frosted Flake. Somehow the elevator stays open for a full two minutes. I only wanted to play about a minute and a half because that's all I can really handle. That's all I can stomach. But... Yeah, the elevator stays open for about, you know, good two minutes. Cameras are all in there, and these ladies get to say their piece. There isn't anybody being shoved out of the way. There isn't anybody trying to get the elevator doors to close because they're in a hurry, or, you know, which would typically be the case. So this is obviously a photo op. I mean, this is obviously something that is meant to go viral. Take the video clip, have these ladies out there because, you know, The women must be heard. You know, we believe survivors. We believe the liars. Whatever the case may be, they're going to stand by that door and, you know, hold it open. And no one in Jeff Frosted Flake's camp is going to make those doors shut. And then he gets up at the Global Citizen event and says this. We need the rest of the world to see democracy working here at home. Thanks to all of you global citizens who have contacted us this year. You've texted, you've called, you've touched our hearts. Keep calling. There are people's voices we need to hear from around the world and here in our own country. So keep reaching out because we hear you and we need to keep hearing from you. So feel free to join me in an elevator anytime. Yeah, so, yeah, you can join them in an elevator, you know? I mean, it's unbelievable. But here's the thing that we have to realize when we think about this whole thing. Because, first off, Flake, I mean, what does he have to lose outside of his uh, CNN punditry uh, future? You know, they're not going to hire him for the, for the cable news channels if he uh, backs Kavanaugh. And I don't think he's going to have the uh, the propulsion to be a presidential candidate, although he might be vying for one. We know Cory Booker is, 
We know Kamala Harris is. Maybe Jeff Flake becomes a Democrat and runs on their, on their ticket. I don't know. But here's the thing. It's having negative effects against people in the Democrat Party. Not the socialist wing. Not the, not the dyed-in-the-wool uh, progressives. But those who were considering themselves Democrats, but not realizing, I truly believe, they are actually libertarians or classic liberals at heart. Those people that joined up for the Democrat Party because the Republican Party for decades was viewed as some, you know, prudish, old white men, uh, Christian uh, party, political party that, you know, isn't going to stand up for you if you're a homosexual or isn't going to stand up for you for uh, certain other rights that you want to be able to do whatever it is you want to do. You know, there's people that are like, well, I'm fiscally conservative, but I'm socially liberal. Well, those people are now realizing that the, that the Democrat Party has changed. It is not the same party that you were a part of. They are the party that is now becoming intolerant, the party that is going against liberty, going against, and they're becoming these prudish, you know, morally superior individuals who have no morality. That's the interesting part of it all. You know, these people, they have no morals, first off, because they have nothing to base their morals on. They have it based upon, what, ethics and, uh, you know, that are taught. You know, they have things that make you feel bad because you want to be a nice person. They don't have any biblical morality to base it on. They just think that, you know, if you're mean and I'm nice, well, then I'm more moral than you. You know, and, and that's how they view Donald Trump. That's how they view what's going on with Kavanaugh. And the problem is, it's very apparent to everybody that this is a giant hit job. Worse than Roy Moore, worse than Herman Cain, the Herman Caining that's happening right now to Kavanaugh is obviously falling flat. And now they're getting into these stupid optics like, oh, he threw ice. You know, he was spiking the punch. He gave out red solo cups. And all I can think of is red solo cup. Brett spiked the punch. Let's rape the party. I mean, really? Is that what we're dealing with here? It's, a, it's unbelievable. I, I just, the fact that this story is morphing into a record on drinking, you know, it's not like he was holding up Mike or Mark Judge. I keep wanting to bring Mike Judge. Mike Judge made Beavis and Budhead in office space. Mark Judge, it's not like he was holding Mark Judge's legs up for the keg stand. You know, it's not like he's a uh, proficient beer pong player. No one looks at the fact that he has a long record of time as, a, as an appellate court judge. I mean, it's unbelievable. But they don't care about the last, you know, 15 years of his life. They, get, they just care about what the media can turn into a crap show about What's going on right now? Allegations. Kamala Harris is getting anonymous allegations from an anonymous source from an anonymous location. And she's talking about it and it has no time, no place. And the media's running with it because that's how the media operates. I mean, there is a story out that says text messages suggest Kavanaugh wanted to refute the accuser's claim before it became public. And then everybody's supposed to go, "Ooh, really? How about that? That's crazy. Well, they leave out a lot of things, a lot of things. And I, there was a thread that I wanted to read that I thought was pretty interesting that kind of goes along with this. 
It was from uh, AG Conservative. It says, the media is the enemy. No other way to put it. They have lied intentionally over and over again in the last few weeks. No one bothers to check. He just got home, saw a DM about a breaking news story from NBC that supposedly makes Kavanaugh look bad. He said, every time I see the reporter's timelines tweeting, it came through so many times I had to check it out. The story suggests that based on a secondhand text between two people who knew Kavanaugh, he was seeking evidence to exonerate himself from an allegation from Debbie Ramirez. Again, no evidence he is asking anyone to lie or do anything wrong, just exonerate him. Which is weird because it doesn't seem bad for Kavanaugh. (laughs) There must be a catch. Well, the story is framed to make it look shady and that he wants to exonerate himself before the accusation went public. The catch is at the end where they essentially accuse Kavanaugh of perjury. Wow, really seems from that like they really got him lying about what he heard on the allegation, right? Take note that they omit most all of the transcript, the actual transcript. All of their evidence simply shows that someone in his group seemed to know Ramirez was trying to accuse him of something. Here is the relevant part of the interview Kavanaugh did. Note incident matching this description. And he actually attaches a photo, says, all right, my last question will be on the subject since you graduated from college. But before the New Yorker article publication on September 23rd, have you ever discussed or heard discussion about the incident matching the description given by Ms. Ramirez to the New Yorker? He said no. But the media, fine with running with it. That's how it rolls. It's truly unbelievable. By the way, you can follow me on social media. I'm on Twitter at Rants Out Loud. You can also follow the official page at Adrian Slade Show. We're also on MeWe, Convo, Snippy, Gab. Just look for Adrian Slade. Back in a moment. This is Adrian Slade. Adrian Slade Broadcast. So we've been talking about all of the residual ripple effects, the butterfly effects from Kavanaugh's uh, situation. And I don't want to talk about Brett Kavanaugh and his accusers directly because I think we've spent enough time on that. But I want to talk about the ripple effects. You know, we talked about how Feinstein uh, is going to be investigated in her office. We talked about how Avenatti is going to be looked at. He could be disbarred shoddy affidavits and what have you. We talked about how they're going to look into those behind turning the Senate Judiciary hearing into a clown show, into a Banana Republic display of insanity, how they're going to get investigated based on what Tom Cotton said. And I do want to talk a little bit about Senator Jeff Flake, Frosted Flake. Yeah, that guy, he was a part of a nice little astroturfing event. And we talked about it in the last segment where, you know, he has these ladies come up to him and they're giving their boohoo sob story about, you know, being uh, abused or what have you. And he just holds the door open for a full two and a half minutes and just sits there and listens to him. And nobody steps in to intervene. Nobody says, hey, don't you know, you're threatening uh, this individual or we've got a schedule to keep. None of that ever happens. Well, come to find out National Review has an update on that. And that's because these women were from ACORN. They're activists from National Review. The women wouldn't let Flake leave until they yelled at him face-to-face for several minutes. Anyone who thinks the two left-wing activists acted without a well-thought-out plan hasn't read The Imitation Game by Kim Strassel of The Wall Street Journal. A CNN camera 
Keep that in mind. A CNN camera. I thought that when I was watching the video. I'm like, CNN is nothing more than K-file BuzzFeed activist. You know, they did adopt the majority of the BuzzFeed news division years ago during the primaries. And everything they've done, they've been at the forefront of painting narratives and creating BS. And that's why Trump always calls them fake news. But the CNN camera broadcast the event live, and from there, it went viral. Imagine that. Thank you, Flake said, as he was finally allowed to exit after one of the women revealed, apparently, for the first time, that she had been sexually abused. The New Yorker reported that after the incident, Flake looked more withdrawn than ever, eyes wet, a voice a little frayed, chin tucked down in the somber knot of his tie. Shortly thereafter, Flake voted to refer Kavanaugh's nomination to the full Senate, but with a sudden provision. He would not vote for the judge on the floor unless the vote was delayed to do an FBI investigation. Limited in time to no more than one week. So, you know what? He towed the line. And keep in mind, this is a Senate elevator. This is like exclusive to senators, this elevator access that these, these activists were able to hold open and get this nice, long, viral video clip filmed. But, you know... And, of course, he gets up there at this Global Citizen event, which, what is Global Citizen? I mean, to me, that means, you know, they're looking for a one-world government situation because they always go, well, we need to fight for democracy. We need to show democracy. Realize when they're saying that, they're not talking about democracy that you would think. They're not talking about representative republicanism. They're talking about pure democracy, elimination of the Electoral College mob rule That's what they want, and that is what Hillary Clinton's people complained about for the election cycle. But anyways, so he's up there, and he makes jokes about how, hey, if you want to come talk to me, meet me in an elevator. You know, love in an elevator. So, but yeah, Flake is towing the line. Flake is doing a couple things here. First off, he is allowing the, the furthering of the agenda of the left in delaying the tactics and and which is really backfiring on him because all of the stories that are coming out with this delay are blowing up in the Democrats' face. But he's not doing it because of that. He's doing it because he wants to delay it as far and as close to the midterms as possible. And Flake has two things going for him. He's not going to run for president, contrary to what a lot of people think. But at the same time, what he's doing, if he votes no against Kavanaugh, he effectively destroys the race or the political campaigns, the races of multitudes of Republicans, whether it be House or Senate. And they're going to be pushing back on him, regardless of the fact that he doesn't run anymore. If he votes no and destroys this nomination, the backlash towards the GOP will be amazing. And it will be towards people who were not directly involved. They will use it as a protest vote to destroy other campaigns. And I'm sure that's not going to sit well with them towards Jeff Flake. But Flake also can't vote yes because his gig coming up, political commentator gigs, being on CNN, that's all going to get shot down, shot to hell. So, you know, he has to make that move to decide which, you know, tow, which line does he want to tow. And I think he's hoping that if they give him another week, he's helped delay it for the Democrats. But then the FBI reveals so much evidence that it's all BS that he can then confidently vote for Kavanaugh, and then he's won both sides of the fence. But keep in mind, the news media doesn't care if the 
FBI investigation exonerates any of the claims. Just him voting yes is going to blow up in his face, which he doesn't realize. But the narrative shift is interesting, too, because, you know, the, the accusers have defecated on their own arguments. They've destroyed their own arguments. There's, every time they get up there, they put their foot in their mouth. And we'll talk about one um, going back to Blasey Ford, some beach friends of hers. We'll talk a little bit about that. But here's the thing. What they did was they can't go off of the rape allegations because it's so shoddy. But what they can go off of are things that Kavanaugh actually said. And so you're watching the narrative shift. You know, he said, hey, I like beer because he's going, well, who does? You know, a lot of people drink beer. It's not a big deal. You know, have a Saturday afternoon, have a couple beers out on your patio, have a cookout. That doesn't mean you're an alcoholic and a lush and you're blacking out face down in the yard after a keg party. But the media wants to paint it that way. So the media is now turning it into he's a lush. Oh, and by the way, he had righteous indignation as to how his name was smeared through the mud. Look at how angry he is. I remember right after all that happened, the constant drumbeat was, I don't think he has the temperament to be a Supreme Court justice. Seriously? You don't have the temperament after your family and your name and your, everything was destroyed by lies? Of course, I'd be pissed. I'd be, I'd be flipping tables over and doing the ow, ah, like Sam Kennison. I'd be jumping up in the faces of these senators going, are you serious? You're going to do this to me? But you know what? He got up there and let his righteous indignation be displayed. And now they're saying, well, you know, he's, uh, gosh, look at that temperament. He just, he, he can't be a Supreme Court justice. He's too angry. He's too quick to anger. You know, he's going to pick up ice out of a red solo cup after a UB40 concert, and he's going to throw it at someone. And he picked the perfect crime because the ice cubes melted before the police got there. So there's no evidence. Seriously, throwing ice cubes. And we don't even know if that happened. But that's what they're doing. They, they want to take this temperament and mix it with alcohol abuse and paint a picture that this guy shouldn't be, uh, shouldn't be nominated because of his temperament. But here's something that's interesting. There's a relationship with, um, with Blase Ford. This is from Conservative Treehouse. From, in a letter released last night from a former boyfriend of Christine Blase Ford, there was named a curiously not redacted uh, portion of the, of the letter. The name of Monica L. McLean was revealed as a lifelong friend who helped Ms. Ford, who, or who Ms. Ford helped, actually, with polygraph preparation. The interesting thing about that is Ms. Ford helped her learn how to use her emotions in such a way to avoid setting off a polygraph. Because a polygraph works off of you know, heightened emotion and what have you. And, and she was able to utilize her skills in the psychiatry department to get somebody to go around a polygraph, which she had testified under oath to uh, Ms. Mitchell that, no, she, she's never done that. In fact, she was nervous about taking her own. So that's other crap. That's complete BS. But Ms. McLean is kind of a big story because she also shows up on that letter of the people from Holton Arms, the class of 1984, bolstering the credibility of Ms. Blase Ford in a Saul Goodman, better call Saul kind of maneuver, you know? But Ms. McLean, she was admitted to the California bar in 1992. Um, Ms. Ford's boyfriend stated that he had began a six-year relationship with her best friend, um, Ms. McLean, and that 
Come to find out, she also worked with the FBI. In 2000, Los Angeles FBI declaration, Ms. McLean describes herself as a special agent of the FBI. So now we have the FBI back in the picture. We have the Project Veritas State Department officials that are going to resist at every level. We have the the, uh, HHS individual who's going to resist at every level. We got the DOJ individual who's doing uh, Democratic Socialism of America's bidding on the clock and also resisting at every level. And I wouldn't be surprised if this Swetnick chick, who also has State Department credentials, also has clearances, security clearances for the IRS, the HHS, the DOJ. I wouldn't be surprised if she is a resistant government employee bureaucrat because they are littered littered throughout the entire administration. So the drain the swamp is actually more swampy than we thought. But yeah, after 2003, Ms. Monica McLean was working as a public uh, information officer. Listen to this. For the FBI New York field office, side-by-side one, Attorney General Parit Baraha. Remember him? Yeah, he's the one who got into it with Donald Trump right after the inauguration to which Donald Trump fired. He also has um, some shady ties to the Spygate incident that's happening with, um, you know, with uh, the FBI and the NSA and Fusion GPS Bruce Orr, Nellie Orr, all those people. So, uh, yeah, lots of interesting, interesting ties. Lots of uh, just intersections of resistance BS. Now, listen to this. This is what this is the exchange between uh, Mitchell and Ford. She said the second letter is the letter that you wrote to Senator Feinstein dated July 30th of this year. Did you write the letter yourself? Ford said, I did. Mitchell said, and I, since it's dated July 30th, did you write this on that date? She said, I believe so. It sounds about right. I was in Rehoboth, Delaware at the time, and I could look into my calendar and try to figure that out, it seemed. Well, guess who lives in Rehoboth, Delaware? (laughs) Yeah, Ms. McLean. Monica McLean. That's where she now resides. And so did they draft this letter together? Was the polygraph delivered by her? And they found ways to get around it through her usage of her uh, newfound abilities to temper her emotions? This whole thing stinks. We have to realize that it's only going to get worse, but it's blowing up in the Democrats' face right now. And hopefully we get a vote sometime over this weekend. Back in a second. This is Adrian Slade. The Adrian Slade Broadcast. Welcome back. Now, going back to the Jeff Flake elevator stunt. It just keeps getting better. You can't even make this stuff up. Actually, you can because that's what they did. They made this stuff up. But here's the interesting part. First off, we have Jeff Flake in an elevator confronted by two women spouting off, you know, obviously with a Hispanic accent about their sexual uh, abuse experiences. CNN is just magically there to film it, you know, to make it go viral. In fact, they sit there with the elevator open for about two minutes. So obviously, when you're holding open a senator's only elevator and his handlers aren't even intervening, 
This is a staged event, which he laughed about at his Global Citizen event. Well, then we find out that those two individuals were from ACORN, and it's George Soros-funded, amongst other left-wing, you know, globalist... Uh, I hate using that word globalist because it's now just so tarnished, but that's what basically what they want. They want to fund the demise of America and the rise of a new kind of system. Well, come to find out, we now know the names of these two individuals, Make the Road Action put up this tweet with their picture, and it said, These two heroes who confronted Jeff Flake just changed the course of the Kavanaugh process. We love you so much, Anna Maria uh, Archilla and Maria Gallagher. Hashtag Stop Kavanaugh. And our good friend, Ocasio-Cortez. Yes, the socialist, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. She outed them as being illegal aliens. This from the College Fix. Now, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, a Democratic socialist and rising star within the Democrat Party, called Supreme Court nominee Brett Kavanaugh a liar in a speech to Boston University College. She went on to hail activism as the solution and boasted to the crowd that one of the women who had cornered Judiciary Committee member Gen- uh, Jeff Flake in an elevator and yelled at him for several minutes after he agreed to vote yes on Kavanaugh was from her district. Anna Maria Acarcia is from our district, is from Queens, Ocasio-Cortez prompted with a round of applause. In fact, she is an immigration activist, which just goes to show intersectionality and how interwoven all of these fights are, because she is putting everything on the line and risking deportation. Not even a direct immigration action, but for the action of all survivors, she goes on to say, and that's how we need to be. We need to be championing the causes of our neighbors, and that's what creates power and movement, a coalition building. So we have illegal alien, illegal aliens who are also immigration activists paid for by George Soros, holding open an elevator for Jeff Flake and basically trying to force him into a... Uh, no vote. Unbelievable. I mean, unbelievable. So that event happened. And then, of course, I was telling you about the uh, uh, Blase Ford, Dr. Christine Blase Ford's ex-boyfriend who wrote that letter, who outed the uh, her good friend, uh, Merce, what was it Monica L. McLean, as we found out later, she's an FBI, FBI agent. He went on to say, um, he basically said he was uh, friends with Christina Blasi from uh, 1989, 1990 in California, had a relationship with her from 92 to 98 and uh, found her to be uh, truthful and no animus towards her. But he said during our time, Dr. Ford never brought up anything regarding her experience as a victim of sexual assault, harassment or misconduct. During some of the time we were dating, Dr. Ford lived with Monica L. McLean, who I understand her to be a lifelong friend. During that time, it was my understanding that Ms. McLean was interviewing for jobs with the FBI and the U.S. Attorney's Office. I witnessed Dr. Ford help McLean prepare a potential polygram exam, which we found out later. Um, she went on to testify that she had never coached anybody, even though she has a psychology background, on how to pass you know, a polygraph test. So she basically perjured herself right there. And the letter was sent to... Uh, the GOP under an anonymous name, but never mind that we can always count on CNN to step up their activism. 
they call it journalism, but they actually published an error-filled document, an error-filled article, countering Ford's ex-boyfriend and then outing him in the process. Grammatical errors all throughout it. This was on uh, the Daily Wire. They kind of found this. They said that um, the article, which contains multiple spelling and grammatical errors at the time of this writing, in fact, here's an example, the new allegation against Ford also come as an and contained even more when it was published early uh, this past week, appears to be hastily written to counter the ex-boyfriend's statement. And they outed him and basically put his name out there for everybody to see. So thank you, CNN, for that. And apparently we're just supposed to go along with the herd of professors and, and lawyers because the New York Times, at the time that they first issued the uh, article, they had 650 professors vote against Kavanaugh. They say not to confirm him. Now it's over a thousand plus. I don't care. I thought the 650 were actually the readers for <laughs> New York Times because they don't have many readers left. But what's interesting is Kavanaugh, out of all of this, still has a pretty good approval rating. In fact, Gallup has it 46% of Americans say to confirm Kavanaugh, 45% say don't, 9% have no opinion. And Sean Davis from The Federalist pointed out, after a vicious month-long coordinated smear campaign based on nothing more than lies and breathed entirely of any actual evidence, Democrats and the media still couldn't get Kavanaugh underwater. Good point. <laughs> I mean, it's unbelievable. What they've tried to do to this guy, <laughs> it's just, it's, it's despicable, but what it's doing is it's galvanizing the base. And we need to get out and vote. The midterms... The, <laughs> The polling shows it is swaying for the right in the midterms because of this hack job. But we can't let that that energy die down because the left is doing everything it can to energize its base. It's going to tech companies, having you register straight through Twitter, straight through Facebook. It's got it straight through Google. You've got HBO out there putting out commercials to vote. And they, and they do so with a slant towards the Me Too movement. And now they're digging deep into culture. They're getting into the Marvel Universe. My first time. I was nervous. My first time. Was in the back of a firehouse. Mine was in a church. It was amazing. My first time, everybody clapped afterwards. I mean, I, I didn't know how to, how, to, how to do it. Where to put it, you know, where to slide it in. There were so many options. Like, um... <laughs> You never know what it's going to be like when it actually when you do it. So finally, I just, you know, I just went and I just did it. I voted. My first time with a woman was 2016. It felt good, but it ended badly. My parents weren't allowed to do it until 1965, so I do it every chance I get. We have the numbers. We have the power. We can do this. Come do it with us November 6th. Our generation is the largest group of voters in the country. Let's rise up, register, and let our voices be heard. You can't vote if you don't fill out the forms and register. Go to MarchForOurLives.com to register. It takes like two minutes. I was so excited afterwards that I elected all over the place. <laughs> vote. Vote. Register and vote. So hot. Voting is so hot. <laughs> That's right, the Marvel Universe littered in with some notable figures from Parkland, like Emma Aleppo Girl, Gonzalez, and David Hogg, 
who uh, I think he's going to try to get some Canadians to funnel in some money for the campaign. And the, and the fact that they're doing this with sexual innuendo is ridiculous. I mean, hey, baby, let me shove my ballot in your box. <laughs> Look, when I'm shading that bubble with my pencil, I don't draw outside the lines. Feels good to get out there and vote. I might... <laughs> Unbelievable. I might bust a sticker on your chest. What in the world is that? I'm telling you, the left has no boundaries. They have no morals. And in the era of Me Too, they don't mind throwing around sexual innuendo with a bunch of Marvel characters like Scarlett Johansson and Mark Ruffalo, who, you know, was happy that his his sibling was aborted. They don't mind doing this to the point where as long as the ends are justified by the means, they don't care. They will chase you out of an airport like they did to Mitch McConnell. They will send ricin in the mail to Ted Cruz and to the White House. They will, do, they will attack like they did in Maryland to a representative they busted in his office and got into a physical altercation with them. The left does not care unless they win. They think they can get out there and grandstand and hold over in elevators with activists who are illegal aliens and immigrants who shouldn't even be in the country, funded by special interests like George Soros and Democracy Alliance and all these other crazy organizations, and we're just going to automatically go, oh, well, you know, the Incredible Hulk... And uh, whatever power Scarlett Johansson has, which I still don't know what her power is in the Avengers, whatever they do, whatever they say, man, I got to jump on board because they're pretty cool and I need to vote the way they vote. Don't do it. I'm Adrian Slade. Thanks for tuning in. You can listen to us every weekend on Mojo Five O, the new platform for libertarian, conservatarian, conservative talk. Also, check out the podcast, iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, Spreaker, TuneIn, iHeart, Spotify, and various other podcast platforms. Get the free Roku channel in your streaming store. Also, you can donate patreon.com slash Adrian Slade Show, $2 a month or whichever amount you wish. You can also check out the blog, adriansladeshow.com. We'll see you guys next time. <laughs>